morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are. This is Ali Amagasu welcoming you to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our guest this week is Ann Wallace from Google. She's a technical cloud consultant and she's located up in the Northwest, I believe the Portland area. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ann. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure, we're glad you can make it. You were a recommendation by uh, my sometimes co-host, Valard. He uh, certainly seems to have a lot of respect for you, uh, knows you from your Cisco days, and thought you'd be a great guest. So I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that how we usually start is we want to take a minute to find out how you got into tech. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a pretty classic story, I think. Um, I was probably seven when my dad got me my first computer, which this is going to show my age, but that was in the mid 80s. It was an IBM PC Junior, and I, I was playing a bunch of Sierra online games, so King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest sort of things. But, you know, it was also using the DOS operating system. I was playing all these different basic games, and then it was just really easy to get into the basic code, and I would start putting random go-to statements and then really start diving into that code. Um, so computers had always been kind of part of my um, upbringing. Um, but when I went to college, I, I majored in um, psychology because I didn't really know that computer science was a thing that women could do, um, despite the fact that um, Sierra Online was founded by Roberta Williams and her husband, Ken Williams. And I always thought it was so neat that there was a woman that had this software company. But it wasn't until my second year of college that I realized I could actually make a career doing programming and computer science. So I, um, I changed majors from uh, psychology to art history for a semester so I could spend a semester in Italy. <laughs> and, then, and then I majored in computer science. Um, and then that, that's around the, when all the dot-com stuff was going on. And I started working for a small ISP doing tech support while I was in college. And then that turned into um, a uh, Unix admin job. And so I did that for about five or six years. And um, then dot-com bust happened. Um, I took some time off, traveled around Europe. And then I, I had moved at that time to Portland. And I started working for Nike. Um, and that's where I spent the last 14 years of my career um, outside. I Well, in the last six Let's see, three years. I spent a little bit of time at Cisco, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but at Nike, I started as a Unix admin, and then that moved into more of the operations DevOps kind of role. And then um, around that time that I moved into doing a lot of the DevOps automation stuff, um, I started I started playing around with Amazon. And we had a typical story that most people have. It took a long time to get environments from our host and provider, spin those up. Um, so we started doing a lot of test dev stuff in AWS. Um, and at about that time, I moved into solution architect role, and I was really key into getting uh, Nike into moving into AWS. Um, so the last six years, I spent as a cloud architect, all the way from infrastructure to automation to my last role at Nike was um, security architect, um, but all AWS focused. Um, and then within the, the, I think it was like last three years, I spent... I quit Nike, went to Cisco, worked on a product called Mantle, which was a open source containerization platform, which was a lot of fun. I think it was just maybe a little early days for that. Um, and then I went back to Nike for about two years. And then um, I got an email from 
from Google recruiting the same day my one of my best bosses ever told me she was quitting Nike and I started to pursue that um, and now here I am working on Google Cloud but it was also kind of neat because I'd spent six years or so working on Amazon to kind of go into a new cloud um, and I, you know there's a lot of things that Google's doing that Amazon's not or doing it in a little bit different way so it was kind of exciting and then it's Google you know it's it's there's a little bit of a lure there so um, yeah, that's that's my quick history in the quick couple of minutes. That's it. That's an interesting history. Um, couple questions. Yep. First off, when you came out of college, did you feel like you were prepared for real world IT work? Um, a little bit because everything we were doing in college was on on Unix. So I mean, all the programming I was doing was I was using VI mostly. I mean, my my mail client was Unix based. It was, I think it was Elm at the time, moved to Mutt. So I think what I was doing, yes. Um, and I also took outside of college some Unix classes just to kind of prepare. Um, uh, but not the networking. I had one, so I, for a while I was working in the NOC at the ISP I was working for. Um, and I had one kind of networking class, I think my freshman year. That didn't prepare me at all. Um, but otherwise, I think. Yes, uh, you know, the stuff I'm doing 20 years later, no, but, you know, maybe if I went back to college, I would cover it. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Fair enough. And then my, my second question was about um, AWS, all the AWS work you were doing at Nike. What was, the, what was the upside of it? Why was Nike moving to AWS? Like, what was there to, I mean, I know the basic cloud, you know, uh, use case, but uh, can you give me any specifics about what the upside was and, and when you were doing it, what were the shortcomings of AWS or was it just great all around? Um, so, I mean, the, the initial thing was we would get developers in and they would need the, the comp, the system was too complicated to run on your desktop. So you want to mm -hmm. test out a feature, you would need to deploy it to a development environment, which is at our hosting provider to get new environments. It just, it took sometimes six months. There was so much red tape to go through and we just didn't have control over even firewall rules or DNS changes. And I mean, it was just a lot of tickets and try to coordination. So we're like, how can we get people spun up quickly? And so we started looking at AWS for that. Um, so that, that was a huge benefit, but then it's like, then you have an environment that's a little bit different than what you have in the data center. Uh, and then, you know, Nike being a retailer, we would have Black Fridays, holidays, and Nike also had product launches. So, like, the new Jordan would come out, and you would have to, you know, purchase VMs just sitting around for these launches. And even, or there were things like Oprah Winfrey's favorite things that happened one time, and we just tipped over. Um, so then we started looking at how could we utilize the cloud for things like that to so we didn't have to just have extra capacity sitting in the data center. So... But it wasn't overnight. It took several years because, again, just like a lot of companies, the the systems that were deployed in the data center monolithic tightly coupled. So just to pull a few things apart out of that, it, it just was impossible. Um, so we started looking at things like our brand applications. So uh, they were standalone applications. So like there would be something for the uh, World Cup or the Olympics, you know, we'd bring up something or the, the women's marathon. Um, 
and then we could kind of tune how we wanted to do development in the cloud. And, you know, and then there's that cultural shift of we're used to deploying things this way, doing a lot of manual stuff. And within the cloud, you got to prepare for failure because the VMs might go away. Um, so I, I don't know if it was so much things with Amazon as versus like their services themselves versus just getting used to the way things worked in the cloud and getting developers and operations teams um, their mindset to change. And then, you know, again, it's a whole DevOps thing and just the teams working better together. Um, I, I think it's a very classic story. You hear quite a bit. I was just going to say, you, you touched on like every point we needed, you know, we needed quick scalability or, or we need a burstable right. space. We, we needed to be able to get dev and test environments more quickly. Like you touched on almost everything that people yeah, did the cloud for. <laughs> I think you also get in the scenario that Amazon starts releasing or any of the cloud providers that, so many different services and everyone wants to start playing around with them and it's giving developers enough uh freedom to do their job but also being able to rein things in to make sure you you know as far as governance or security goes what those services are doing or you know with amazon not everything is encrypted at rest like google is so there's certain services depending on you know your pii or something you might not be able to use so it was there there's trade-offs both ways, but I mean, overall, I think it has been a much pleasant, pleasant experience for developers and operations teams, um, and just being able to get product out the door into production sooner. Um, if they were doing this that long ago, I mean, that's actually kind of on the early edge, it feels like, of, of larger enterprises kind of shifting over to, to cloud. Yeah, there. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff in the data center. It was also taking the approach um, of a lot of the net new stuff. Let's do that, Amazon, instead of trying to detangle the stuff in the data center. And I think they're they're at that point now. Um, and everything I'm talking about at this point was the consumer facing stuff. There's still all the back end, you know, B two B and uh, just the IT stuff, which is starting to get. Um, moved into the cloud and you know they they do stuff with azure as well um and it, again I think that's I, a smart way to do it though right don't yeah. move the heavy stuff if you don't have to move the light things and then move the heavy things later or just don't ever move them because i think it's right. also becoming part of a strategy that i'm hearing more and more is there's some things that just aren't going to move they're going to expire eventually but they're not going to move as long as we're using them right right and i think we're hearing that here too um and i i think you know my I was talking with a colleague of mine and we're kind of starting to call this like cloud 2.0. It's not so much, let's just do this lift and shift anymore. It's, it's let's do things cloud native. And like you're saying, maybe we just leave some of the stuff in the data center, kind of let it live its course and die off and just start doing things, you know, in a cloud native way using the services versus let's spin up a VM and emulate what we did in the data center. Um, which I think it makes it a lot more interesting, especially being in a consulting role that you're going in there and people really want to know how to utilize all the different services that Google has versus, again, just spinning up a VM and putting your application on there. Right. So you're starting to touch on what I was going to ask you about next. You are <laughs> with um, Google Professional Services. Is that correct? I am. I am. Yes. So tell me, tell me what Google does in that space. What is I, professional services can mean a lot of different things um, for different companies within the tech space and within other verticals as well. So a preference is that I've been at Google less than three months now. So <laughs> you know, anyone listening to this, make sure you fact check me because I might have some things a little bit off. Um, uh, the organization I'm in, as far as professional services goes, and Google Cloud is fairly new. Um, I'm so technical cloud consultant. So 
Um, we, we really partner with our customers versus being staff OGS. I think there's a lot of professional services where people come in and they set at a desk at the customer for, you know, six months or duration of project. I mean, not that we're not there for the duration of the project, but we'll come in and initially do a lot of like the over, you know, architecture, figure out really what's going on, what the customer wants. Um, and then there's, there's a back and forth, but we, we have a good kind of work-life balance. Or, so we're at home more or at the office or versus necessarily at the customer and utilizing, you know, hangouts and things like that to do a lot of the, um, meetings um but we we really want the customer to feel enabled that they're doing some of the work too and it's a partnership so when when we leave the engagement they feel very comfortable what with what's been deployed what's been architected and they can continue to iterate over that um, we also partner with other companies um so there's rackspace exchange and companies like that that help google also do some of the work with um our customers. So uh, the professional services organization is made up of consultant, technical consultants like me. Um, and then there's cloud, what we call strategic cloud engineers. So they, they're kind of a partner to me. I also, part of my role is um, like a technical program manager. So when we engage with a customer, I'm, I'm the one that's kind of leading the whole project. So, and then we'll also, like I said, engage with partners to do some of the uh, hands-on work um, with the customers. We have technical account managers or TAMs. Uh, we also, part of the professional services organization is our training department. So we, you know, if we need to come in and do training or we've done hackathons with some customers or just, you know, have people come in to different training uh, locations. Um, so I, I think it's unique in that way. Um, and again, we're, we're growing and it's changing and evolving. So it's kind of fun to be in an organization that is evolving um, and you can help kind of set, um, you know, kind of where we're going with things. Yeah. So what kind of engagement would a customer typically call you guys in for? I don't know if there is a typical. Uh, yeah, I but. wish there was a typical engagement. Um, so, you know, it's it's not so much like, hey, I want to go to GCP and I have this app. How do I do it? it it's like we, we really want to shift to the cloud or we want to shift from maybe one other cloud to to GCP. We, we want to really change our organization. So, again, there's that mindset of, of how you're doing development, how your organization is structured. Um, so it, it, some of it's kind of the org, so, and then some of it's just the principles behind cloud. But again, like I'm saying earlier, is we're seeing a lot of people who are already in the cloud. Maybe they were at Amazon and want to shift some of the workload over to GCP because of the, what we're doing in ML or data analytics, or um, you know they just want to have multi-cloud, um, or maybe it's around some of the stuff we're doing in security, or maybe it's Kubernetes. I mean, Kubernetes is a huge draw. I mean, both the other large cloud providers have their own versions of that too. Um, so it, but again, it, it's more than just, I want to move an app. It's more, I, I really want to utilize all the services. I want to kind of shift over to to Google. How do, how do we do that? What, what's the, what's the biggest challenge you feel like they're usually coming up against? And I asked that because back when I used to work at MetaCloud and we were helping folks build online clouds and, and it was, or sorry, on-prem clouds. And it was a very similar thing where it required a mindset shift, a cultural shift. Um, but the biggest technical challenge was usually the network. 
the network was kind of always the deal. And I say this before I went to work for a networking company at Cisco. Yeah. But the network was always kind of the big like hitch that would kind of tend to put the brakes on the system and they didn't want to have to refactor the network to figure out how to use cloud. It was it was a big deal. Is there a common technical challenge you guys run up against? Um I don't know that I've been in this role long enough to say that, but um yeah, network always is a challenge. I think one of the things that's interesting with the way GCP does things versus, I mean, my other experiences with Amazon is we have a shared VPC. Uh, so you can have multiple projects, which are almost like different accounts with Amazon, but um, you have the shared VPC. So that helps simplify some of the networking. And again, I think if people are trying to be more cloud native and using services um, versus trying to do all the um connections over the network and using interconnect to the data center, but actually making service calls and using, you know, APIs, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, I, and I, again, I, I, you know, there's still that fear of change. There's people in the organization, even if you have it coming down from the top down, that people just are a little nervous when things are changing, that they're going to lose a job or their function is going to go away. So I think there's still that kind of dealing with that. Um, but there's so much excitement about being able to use all these new services that I feel it's just a little bit different than it was like four years ago when you would come into an engagement like this. Yes, I think you're, I think you're probably right on, on that aspect. And, and it's interesting you mentioned Kubernetes, and it, there certainly is a lot of energy around that, um, gosh, yeah. all the KubeCons and, and even, even you know, events that aren't meant to be Kubernetes-centric will have so many sessions on Kubernetes, it's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, is that a big, is there like a little group at Cisco that's, in, that's just kind of focused on Kubernetes or is it kind of pervasive where it's across all groups? Hey, Google. Yeah, sorry. Google. That's okay. There's probably a little one at Cisco too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have a, we actually have a pretty big, yeah, group. Um, I think it's all over the place. I, I again, I, Google is so huge. I'm still digesting all the different organizations. I mean, of course, there's Kelsey Hightower, who everybody knows associated with with Kubernetes. But uh, you know, there's I met um, Maya. I forget her last name, um, but she is responsible for the. She's a PM around security for Kubernetes and containers. I mean, there's just, I think everybody who's involved with cloud is touching Kubernetes at some level. Um, I'm going to Copenhagen at the beginning of May for KubeCon. Um, so I'm, that was actually one of the things I was really excited about coming to Google is uh, getting to start working on Kubernetes, especially around security. Um, I think, you know, people have been doing a lot of stuff with containers, but I think there's still a lot of, things that are overlooked as far as container security. Yeah. Um, so. Interesting. Um, so when you're talking about that, about, you know, kind of Google so big and uh, it's, yeah. it's everywhere, how many people, I mean, you're in the Pacific Northwest, right? And you were, I, you mentioned earlier that you were, you know, part of your job is building out a, a Northwest team for your organization, but how many of you, is there a big office up there? So there's a big office in Seattle. There's a there's two offices. There's one in Kirkland, one in Seattle. I'm based in Portland. There's a smaller office in Portland. I think there's about 60 to 70 people in that office. I'm one of the few cloud people. Um, there's a lot of people doing Google Home and Google Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a neat little office, and um, I think it's the office is expanding. I'm yeah, like you said, I'm hoping to grow our team. I'm the only one on my team, not professional services, but my particular team in the Northwest. And there's 
quite a few customers in the Northwest that we're working with. So I'm looking to grow the team. So this is where I can plug we're hiring sort of thing. That's right. Um, plug away. Yeah. And it's, it's an exciting time. Um, is it as fancy as the Mountain View campus? Mm, no. Fun. Are there slides? and? Well, no, because it's, it's one floor of a building in downtown Portland. Um, but it's very, very Portland. You Is walk it? in, it feels very Portland. They've done a good job with the, the decorations. Um, I've been in the Seattle office, and that one's a lot of fun, too. And right now, I'm not that you can tell by the background. It's interesting. But I, I'm in the, I'm in the uh, San Francisco office, and it's overlooking the bridge. It's just gorgeous. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, you're saying very Portland. First couple times I went to Portland, I was very disappointed. I didn't really get any of the Portlandness. Everybody's <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's this really weird, funky place. And I was kind of in the suburbs. I was staying with family oh. in the suburbs. And I, I, we went downtown. But again, they were kind of touristy places and really nice restaurants. But then I went for, um, oh, what open source conference is it? Uh, I can't think of which one it is. But it was held in Portland. And I took the train each day from kind of the downtown area over to the convention center. And this one day I hear meowing on the train and I'm looking around for the cat that has to be loose on this train. And I see like six seats down from me, there's a woman sitting up very straight and she has glasses on and she's wearing like a tweed suit. She looks like she's from someone's accounting department and she is just meowing very loudly with no, she doesn't have a cat. There's no <laughs> cat there. She's just meowing on the train to no one in particular the whole way to the convention center. And I assumed past the convention center because it was going on, but I just thought, this is it. This is my Portland experience. <laughs> <laughs> Middle-aged woman meowing on the train. <laughs> so um, I know that was a rat hole of sorts, but um, tell me, what do you have any involvement, you know, kind of outside of, of Google? Uh, what are your, are there any tech organizations, open source organizations, uh, anything like that you're involved in you'd like to talk about? Yeah, well, as far as open source, actually, uh, Nike started doing uh, Nike o open source, um, I think a couple years ago, and I got to contribute to that. And I really enjoyed that a lot, uh, just the community involvement there. Um, but now that I'm with Cisco, or I'm sorry, with Cisco, with Google, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I've been with all of them. But um, yeah, there's a lot more opportunities to get involved with the community and, you know, getting support from leadership to, you know, be able to sponsor things. So um, actually, I this might not air, this might air after this happens, but this weekend, um, my good friend, Amber Malavik, who's a principal um, architect at Nike uh, with Women Who Code is doing a workshop. It's called um, Beyond Senior, um, architecting uh, your career. Um, so it's for, it's for women who have been in um, maybe a development role for a while and are don't necessarily want to go into management because I think a lot of people, just not women, get to a certain point as a developer and you're like, what's next if I want to continue as an individual contributor and not go into management? So this is a workshop talking about what it, what, what we do as architects and um, as a software architect or a solution architect. Um, so I'm helping her run that as a, a te teaching assistant. Um, so that's going on in Portland. Um, I'm going to be I have a couple ideas that I'm going to be running by women who code. Um, and I'm also doing a, um, a, it's an, another, um, kind of career, um, workshop with them. Um, it's, it's called telling your tech story. And so it's a partnership with, uh, launch code out of St. Louis that they do every other month where different women talk about their story, their history, kind of like we did at the beginning of this podcast 
and um, get to answer questions from other women on how did you get there? What did you make these decisions and so forth? Um, so it's exciting. Um, and like I said, I'll be at KubeCon next month. Um, and I think with um, Google has uh, the Google Cloud Conference, which is called Next in July. I'm hoping I can speak there and we do cloud summits. Um, so another thing that Google is known for or somewhat known for is SRE, the Site Reliability Engineering. Yes. Uh, and so we have a thing now called uh, CRE, which is Customer Reliability Engineering. And these are folks from the SRE teams that are working with Google Cloud customers on how to implement some of the principles that the SREs here do. So defining your uh, SLOs, SLIs, so your service level indicators and objectives and your error budgets and how you can put all this in play for a particular application. Um, so I'm starting to partner with those and figure out how we can bring those into PSO, uh, the professional services organization, because our, our CRE team works with customers who are already in Google Cloud, where we're working with customers that are moving into the cloud. So we want to start getting those, those methodologies into application development early. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, and I'm hopefully either going to help present or just be there to answer questions um, around the subject at some of the cloud summits. Um, that's really neat. That's a Google Next, you said? or Yeah, there's going to be a Google Next, um, and then there's Google Cloud Summit, so oh, there's okay. smaller one-day things. Um, but if I'm not there, there's definitely people there speaking on that. Um, but I'm, but yeah, I've been working on it with some of our SRE, uh, CRE folks. So that that's one of the things I'm really excited about with this job. Yeah, it sounds like you get to do a lot of neat things with that job. Um, I really, especially that our first talk you mentioned with women, women who code. Yep. Where how to how to what's the next step if you want to remain an individual contributor? Yeah, don't want to be a manager. It's interesting because yep. I've been through some management workshops at Cisco lately, and that is. I think a question that bothers a lot of people. They love their job. They've been at it for a while. And just because they've been there a while, that you kind of tend to get shoved up to become a people manager. And not everybody was meant to be a people manager. Right, right. You know? Some people really just love coding or engineering, however they're engineering, and they want to keep doing it or doing whatever it is they do as an individual contributor. And uh, the system kind of forces them up over time. And uh, so that's really cool that they're tackling that in a, uh, in a talk. Yeah, yeah, and it's well. It's a, this is a full day workshop, and you know, and again, it's focusing on the career as a as an architect. But there's other ways you can go as an IC, and hopefully, there'll be more workshops for the other kind of. I don't know if you want to go into developer relations or product management or different things. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. That's cool. Well, Anne, I thank you for being on today and sharing with us a little bit of uh, you know what's going on. Uh, at Google, and yeah. um, I hope that you'll come back after you've been there a few more months, and you know, perhaps give us some more, you know, context and and some more examples of kind of what what your customers are up against, and and because I, I think it'll help. I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast maybe haven't fully tackled everything yet. They're starting to tackle it. Um, yeah. Others are deeper in, but I think uh, you know a lot will benefit from hearing. Oh, this is how these customers dealt with these things. So. So thank you, and I will definitely look for you at some of those um, events I'm going to be at that you're going to be at. Um, if any folks who are listening want to follow you on Twitter, are you on any of the social handles? I am. It's Ann N. Wallace, so A-N-N-N Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, you know, hopefully in a couple months if we do this again, uh, we can talk about some of the partnerships between Cisco and Google. 
Yes, there's some exciting things happening there that we yeah. can't talk about yet, but uh, <laughs> I think we're all very excited about on both sides. So, yeah. so we will. And uh, thanks again so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.